if you put all this in the timeline, we are literally at the inception of artificial intelligence evolving in front of our eyes. We are in a very good spot right now that actually see this happening. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenau. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. As promised, we're back with an AI double whammy. Given the recent advancements in artificial intelligence, hello, chat GPT, we know automation and machine learning are top of mind for practitioners. In fact, AI is so top of mind for companies that 35% are already using it and 42% are exploring it to use in the future. So with that, we are throwing it back to the B2B Marketing Exchange so you can learn all about marketing and the machine, sizing up AI's emerging impact on efficiency versus risks to creativity with the one and only Pam Didner. A major theme throughout her presentation was that no matter how impressive AI already seems, it still has so much room to grow. And that's crazy, right? That blew my mind when she said that because... How does it still have room to advance? We already have self-driving cars. How do we go up from there? Kelly, at least we know you're not alone with your tinfoil hat. Pam's session actually centered on marketers' understandable concerns that increasing their reliance on machines will have negative impacts on creativity and relationship building. She alleviated those thoughts by shining some light on how AI impacts the sales and marketing landscape, as well as outlining key actions and applications to kick off AI initiatives. So let's hear what Pam has to say. It's time to roll that tape. Thank you so much for coming to my session. So kind. I know it was very late and uh, it's me and also the cocktail. So I'm going to make it quick. I promise. All right. So I actually have a very ambitious goal. What I want to do is in next 40 minutes, I want to help you understand artificial intelligence and also how you can apply that to your job. Seriously, that's what I want to do. And uh, I want to divide it into really kind of like three sessions. Number one is the definition in the context of sales and marketing. Second thing is what can artificial intelligence do for you in the marketing landscape? And also what are the way you can apply AI in the marketing specifically? All right, so the definition of AI. Before I get started, and let's just sit back for a second. If I say artificial intelligence, what comes to your mind? Okay. Thank you. Very good answer. Well, it depends. If you are what I call seasoned marketers, these are come to your mind, the good, the bad, and the ugly. If you are young millennials, this come to your mind. The Jenna from The Good Place, you know, Dolores from the, the West World, and the Vision from the WandaVision, and also a series of a Black Mirror, okay? And if you have not seen The Good Place, you have to watch it. 
it's that good. You will love Janet. I do. So that's kind of what comes to mind when you think about artificial intelligence, and that's the Hollywood version of it, or what I call the streaming version of it. Especially the streaming version is getting better and better compared with, say, the previous generation or the early 80s and 90s of the AI. However, these type of images is what's so-called artificial superintelligence, which is ASI. And they are basically performed in every single level better than humans. And they have a term, which is called ASI. In general, if you think about it, there are three types of AI. The reason is I want to explain what the types of AIs are out there so you get a sense of it, so you have a sense of a clarity. When you read anything, your mind can determine what is reality, what is not. That's the number one thing about artificial intelligence. The number two things, then you need to think through, okay, that's not reality. What is currently happening at this time that I need to have a point of view? So there are three types of artificial intelligence. One is called narrow, general, and the super. I just explained what super is, which is ASI. And in everything that you have seen right now, everything in terms of what they call AI or artificial intelligence is what called weak AI or narrow AI. It's just basically an application that can perform one specific task and perform it very, very well. And they can modify its behavior when the situation changes. Anything series, Alexa, autonomous car, uh, the driving cars, they are all what they call weak AI. Everything that you see is weak AI. It's not necessary anything that you envision in your mind that the Hollywood or the movie streaming services are providing us. Okay, so that's one thing I want to share with you. Second thing is there's another level, it's called strong AI or human-like AI. Obviously, it's a part. There's a lot of discussion actually in the AI landscape. We're talking about how to inject cognitive functions into artificial intelligence. So they possibly can have feeling. I don't know how that will happen, but you never know. Things happen pretty fast, okay? So there's a conversation about it. There are things going on. If you put all this in the timeline, we are literally at the inception of artificial intelligence evolving in front of our eyes. We are in a very good spot right now that actually see this happening. We don't know when we're gonna reach at that strong AI or human-like AI level. There's people try to predict, possibly sometimes before the century is over. It doesn't matter. A lot of people do agree, if we do reach that strong AI or human-like AI level, from there accelerating to a super uh, human-like AI is going to be pretty fast, okay? So just want to share with you, you get a sense where we are and what kind of AI it is at this time. In a lot of articles you read, it's going to say weak AI or narrow AI, you know exactly what that means. The next things I want to talk about is, once you understand the different categories of AI, the next thing is, you. when I say what comes in mind when you think about intelligence, the first thing is robot. So robot or any AI comes in different forms and shapes. 
Number one, it has physical form. Robots. The other one can be a specific device that will have intelligence injected into the device or into the uh, embedded into a specific uh, function that can uh, move or adjust according, say, to your movement. That's a device. The other one is basically a software or algorithm embedded into a specific platform or tools that you do. All right, so these are the three things. In the context of marketing, you can say, you can also say, oh, is anybody developed like a marketing robot? I don't know. Maybe someone is working on that. We don't know yet. Maybe that will come. So when people talk about job replacement, not yet, right? Because nobody's developed a physical form of robot that will take over your job just yet. But there's also some sort of device. Remember I talk about devices in the middle. There's devices that's probably People are working on it. Maybe there's artificial intelligence, you know, pen that can actually write for you. You're like, what is that? I'll show you. And then there's an algorithm inside the software. So when I was thinking about, you know, the, what is the device I can share with you that you can actually make the connection? So tell me, Harry. Hey, he said, a mere boy of 12. I've been 14 about to compete against three students, not only vastly more emotionally mature than yourself. So that's the pen I was thinking about, right? It's the pen that can like literally, you know, against the load of gravity, can it really write for you when you are talking, right? That's the pen. But if that's actually happened, that's a device level. But we do have that. It's called dictation in word. But that is really fit into the software, right? So I'm showing you two different kinds of way in terms of artificial intelligence can play. One is in the device level, and the other one is kind of like a software level. And everything we are talking about as of today, it's all in the software level. It's things embedded into a software, right? That I share in terms of three classes of AI, different form factors of AI, and the AI related to a marketing is tend to be the software that you are going to use. The next level I want to talk about is definition. It's very important that when you are thinking about AI in the context of sales and marketing, you coming from the perspective what you want to accomplish. Right? You understand what you want to accomplish, then you can determine if AI can actually help you. So in general, what AI can do in the context of sales and marketing is actually three. It either helps you to make decision, or it predicts something, or improve efficiency, or customer experience. That is it. So when you are thinking about how AI can help you, you need to think about what kind of objective you want to accomplish, then you can determine Hmm, what kind of platform or tools I can use. Is that helpful? By understanding the different types of AI, by understanding the different form factors, on top of it, you understand only the software is what we are talking about in the context of marketing. Now you understand 
AI can either replace the repetitive tasks or doing some analysis to tell you what you should do or help you make decision. All of a sudden, artificial intelligence doesn't seem overwhelming. Is that helpful? So now I help you to put things in perspective. That's one thing I want to do today. Three things the AI can accomplish for you, either help you make decisions, predict the outcomes, or improve, replace repetitive tasks, or improve customer experience. So that's the first part. Everybody clear? Okay? Good. The key things about AIs as of today embedded into a software tend to be machine learning. We are basically teach machine so they can learn. And that's very much a mach machine learning type of algorithm we are writing and embedded. I didn't write, but I'm talking about programmers that are writing embedded into a software. And uh, back in 2009, Back in 2009, Stanford's Artificial Intelligence Lab, they started, led by, Fei, uh, I think it's Fei-Fei Li. It led by Fei-Fei Li, and she had an idea. She basically said, you know what? If we want the machine to think, we need to teach machine to see. So what she started is feeding the machine millions and millions of images. So, and help the machine to understand this is apple and actually that's grapes. That's what, how it started. To teach the machine to see. Her famous quote is, if we want machine to think, that's help machine to see. Therefore, they feed over 15 millions of images and help machine to understand a different subject. Over a period of time, it gets so, so sophisticated, and we also help the machine to see the difference between chihuahua and the muffins, blueberry muffins. Can you imagine the machine can actually, do, you know, for us, we were like, that's chihuahua, that's blueberry muffin. That's because we are, I don't know, sophisticated. And, um, Machine was like, I don't know, that looks like Chihuahua, but is it really blueberry muffin? So, I, and by the way, there's three Chihuahuas together, it looks like three muffins, you know what I'm saying? So either way, you have to teach them, teach them to see. And that, that eventually, if the machine can see different object, all of a sudden, why don't we teach them to learn different faces? That evolves, become facial recognition, right? And then, well, if they can actually see the images, can also they see text? If they see a lot of text, can they also start compile the text in a logical manner? Right? So that's the next level. And it was like, okay, maybe if they can see the text, we can teach them how to write like human. GPT-2? and GPT-3, which is really the functionality of it, and GPT-2 was trained on 1.5 billion parameters in order to write the next sequence of text for any given sentence. They were trained 
on 1.5 billion. GPT-3 was trained by 175 billion parameters. When they say parameters, it's really data points. We feed in different data points, we train them. The more, the higher the sample size, the more accurate the learned, eventually they get better and the better. So the GPT-2 or 3, they can write essays, they can do language translation, and uh, answering questions, text summarization, producing code. Yay! <laughs> this is one thing I want to show you. It was written by GPT-3. It was an author, was writing a story, and kind of injected like a little excerpt of the writing, and you can see what AI response was. A prophecy is spoken, which tells of one who will restore the sun. She comes with a prince and shall break the spell, and together save the land from hell. Okay, so if you see this, up on the top is the human request. And they actually rhyme, land, expand, fall, all. It was telling a story, but it rhymes. And uh, GPT-3 actually picked on that. It was telling a story, somehow created a story of its own because they didn't know what happened before. But they also noticed it rhymed, so you can see spoken, sun, spell, and hell. That was pretty good. Before I was thinking about showing you a blog post, you were like, God damn it, don't show me blog post. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, show me something fun. Oh, okay. Yeah, right here. <laughs> so that was GPT-3. Coming soon, GPT-4, 2023. So now, if you read any announcement about GPT-4, you're like, I got it. I know exactly what that's about. All right. All right, that's not enough. So back in November last year, well, before that. And there's another thing, after the, you teach them to see different text, well, now they can see different images. What if, can we train them to merge different images together so they can create art for us? So that comes to, if you enter a prompt such as, you know, panda can dunk. So the artificial intelligence will take an image of panda and also to dunk the basketball and then create an image for you. But you have to enter a prompt to say something and they will combine the image. Eventually that's why I call Dolly 2. So if you go to open source AI, and you want to try, in terms of a combined image, create your image, you can actually do that right now, free. The only thing I would suggest is that as a B2B marketers like us, a lot of things we do, we are bounded to be reviewed by legal. <laughs> yeah, everything we write, well, you know, legal has to see it. So this kind of thing, because we don't know the sources, where the images are from, 
may not pass the legal due to the lack of licensing. So you can actually use this, but you need to think twice what is the impact. And if you review, do use them, you need to review that with legal, okay? Not that you love them that much, but again, check with them. But you have to understand in terms of combining the images, images and create a new one. Then November last year, they were like, okay, great. Now we teach the AI to seed, you know, tons of text. So we have GPT-2, we have GPT-3, we have DALI-2. What if, what if we have, we help the artificial intelligence to, we train them by basically the universe of the internet. We're gonna give them the broad expertise. They can actually recognize patterns, text in a vast, in the seed of the internet and the coder is going to modify the code. So it will be trained kind of like with the human assistance. That means they are humans literally will get rid of some of the stuff that's actually inappropriate or indecent. Okay. So if that's the case, can we create kind of like a chatbot that has a broad expertise that can communicate and converse with us? Oh, you enter a prompt. They respond with something. That's really Chat GPT. Okay, Chat GPT. If you use them, this is their basically a disclaimer. They tell you the examples of what it can do. They tell you the capability very clear. Well, remember what you said, and also respond based on your original questions. But there's limitations. It may not be 100% correct because they are searched the internet. So it's all the information prior to, right, November 2021. So with that being said, you can, if you ask them to explain the Newton's law of motion, they will explain it very nicely because they search the seed of the internet. If you ask them, give me a birthday party ideas, they can also tell you that too. If you ask them about explaining the Moore's law, they can actually say, okay, yeah, this Moore's law is really about accelerating the microprocessing's power every 24 months. But if you say elaborate a little bit more, they actually give you a slightly response. The first one is give you a definition. Second one is going to tell you if this has reached the limitation. Is the Moore's law reaching the limitation? And they also provide another answer to actually share with you if this is like will continue to happen in the future. Same thing, write me a poem. And they will write you a poem and you say, make it more exciting. And then they will add words such as violent or <laughs> vigorating and adventure you know, to dial that up. Do you see what I'm saying? So they remember what you said first, and when you ask them to do something a little bit based on your conversation with, uh, with it before, they can carry on. And this has a huge impact. Let me tell you what the impact is. Facebook, all right, took Facebook five years to reach 100 million users in the US, five years. TikTok, it took TikTok nine months to reach 100 million users worldwide. It took GP, chat GPT 
60 days to reach 1 million users. It prompted Code Red in Google. Why? Why is Google nervous? Because all the basic search, you know, function. What is accelerated stall? So in the past, when we will search that accelerated stall in Google, by the way, that's a pilot's term. If you search that, that term will come up. You have to click on it, and then you have to read. But if you go to ChatGPT, you enter the prompt. Do you have to click? No. The answer came up. You're like, oh, let me read it. If you don't understand, you ask again. Google was like, oh my god. It's taking over my advertising revenue. <laughs> this is not going to work. Right? So seriously, the founders have to jump in right now, actually relook how are, what are they going to do to combat that. Number one, what is that impact for B2B marketers? So for a long time, remember, we do something called SEO. What a pain. <laughs> I have a website, I have to do that. I tell you, it's a pain. So we have to create search-driven type of content. So a lot of time, we want to compete with other people who will create definition-driven type of content to drive traffic. Remember, we do that? Now, strategically, do we need to do that in the future? I don't know, but you need to think about it as a marketer. You see where I'm coming from? So it does have impact in marketing. Not right away, soon. Right. So that's ChatGPT. Huge. And it, it, it's like everybody was like, oh my God, this is going to change the world. It's going to take over my job. No. You have to understand that ChatGPT, just ChatGPT, they provide answers, but that doesn't mean they know your product, your expertise, or actually your industry, right? So if there's a lot of articles out there, basically say, oh my God, it's going to change. It is a game changer, but is that taking over people's job? Not yet. I want, I want to talk about that a little later. So that's on the definition of AI. That's talking about the three major milestones in terms of what happened in the past two years. And of course, the latest buzz is ChatGPT. The next things I want to talk about is the marketing AI applications. Honestly, this is one thing you have to remember. In theory, apply, you can apply AI in almost everything you do. You can. Okay, and I will explain that a little bit more. In theory, I'm just saying in theory, this is what you need to acknowledge. And this is very dense. The number one thing that can, that, that can actually do for you is really content, right? So you actually have, you create a blog post and you post it on LinkedIn, that somehow you can look into in terms of having AI-based writing assistant tools. There's a lot of tools out there. I am not affiliated with any one of this, but you should check them out, right? In general, this is what it will look like. They will tell you, you can select a language. 
You can also selection the tone. Is it convincing? Is it persuasive? Is the brain be awareness? You can choose. Are you writing a blog? You writing the ebook or writing a conversation? Then you enter the primary keywords, and you can ask how many variation you want. So in a way, you are briefing artificial intelligence. Tell them exactly what you want, right? Once you do that, they come up with ideas. They started with some sort of outline. They come up with some ideas in terms of a complete guide to buyer persona, and also how do you create one? So they come up with some creative, some ideas. Then you enter additional prompt, additional information to help them write. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So the number one thing that you can do, at least what you can try, is look into some of those AI writing assistant tool and see if it can help you to write, say, the first draft. Don't treat this as the final draft. Like I said, they don't have your they don't have your knowledge about your industry, your customers, and your product. Once they write the first draft, you have to inject your branding voice. Your expertise to make it unique. You have to understand they got all the information directly, pull different information from the internet, so it bound to be generic. Therefore, first draft. Then you add and the additional color to it. Same thing for Dali E. So Dali E is creating image. I want to show you this specific video, and you get how difficult or how easy. It is to create an image. I got asked to help make a magazine cover for Cosmo Magazine, the Cosmo. But this one would be different than every other cover before it because this one would be their first magazine cover generated by artificial intelligence. What would it look like? I started off by getting on a call with the Cosmo team to discuss the creative direction of the cover. We wanted to represent a powerful woman, and we decided on an astronaut. Then I got to work, and I used Dolly to generate options, but none of them felt quite right. This one, for example, was too boxy. Each time I adjusted my prompt over and over again, refining it to try to get the right image. And after many, many hours of trying hundreds of prompts, finally figured out the right one. It was. A wide-angle shot from below of a female astronaut with an athletic feminine body walking with swagger towards camera on Mars in an infinite universe. Synthwave digital art. Here's how it turned out. All right. So see, everybody was like, "Oh, it's very easy. I can use Dolly E to create image." If you really want top of the notch, looks great. Catchy, Karen Chan worked many, many hours to make that happen. And by the way, when they enter the prompt, it's not like you know female astronaut walking on the moon. It's not. Look at the detail, a specific words. It was used to come up with that. So if your management is coming to you and say, you know what, we should use Dali too. You need to have a point of view, and say it's not that easy, and show this video. <laughs> I'm kidding, but you know I'm talking about. That makes sense. All right. Like I said, AI doesn't know your audience, your expertise, own your expertise, your branding guideline, and your products. 
anybody is telling you that AI is replacing your job, you need to look at them and say, I'm good. <laughs> okay? I know what I'm doing. Right? So the bottom line is, anybody is coming to you and say, well, I should use AI to do that. You should have a point of view. That's very important. What AI can do, cannot do. And uh, how to apply AIs in your company? There are four, four ways to do it. Number one is explore AI features of the existing platform. A lot of CIM actually have AI built into it. A lot of purchasing tent tools have AI built into it. A lot of like a chatbot that you are using actually have AI built into it. Make sure you understand the key features of your existing platform that has AI built into it. If you don't know, have your vendor show you. That's very important. That's the number one thing that's easy. You already use those tools. Just learn more features. Number two, if, you don't, if you're doing everything manually, well then purchasing some tools that actually have AI built into it, and then you can try to use them, right? Number three is you build the workflows and the processes, and then you identify some key areas that you want to use AI or test it. Number four is taking AI internal, internally, that you work with your data sciences team or the data team to build internal predictive analytic models to answer a specific question, right? That you have to work with your data team to actually determine a specific question and then understanding the data set that you're gonna use and then create a model for that. These are the four ways to do it. So you can determine which one makes sense, for example. And on number three, I want to explain this to you in terms of understanding the workflow. There's one thing I want to make sure everybody understand. As a modern marketer, you need to understand how things happen. On the marketings you do, you have to understand the workflow, how things happen from beginning to the end. For example, this is a quarterly webinar. For, you promoted the webinar using LinkedIn ad, email, and Twitter. So that drives the traffic to webinar registration. Then you have the webinar that happened. After that, you have the post thank you webinar email you send out. And then that's probably it. But you can also identify people attended the three consecutive webinars, three, and then kind of vetted, are these people maybe interested talking to sales? Then you send in a specific email from the sales team then you route that to an inside sales and then possibly set up if that's the, if they are interested, then that's probably SQL. If they are not interested, you come back to nurture, right? So you build that. It's a process that sales and marketing can understand what you do in terms of taking the quarterly webinar on the sales, on the marketing funnel down to the sales funnel, right? So right here, you can sit back and look at that flow and determine maybe the box over there, you can use uh, the AI copywriting tool to test the writing, right? That's one way. Or you can look at in terms of the routing inside sales vetting and also SQL, you merge that, you use specific platform to do that, that the AI route the leads to different sales team. Or you can look at on the top, 
which is you build the predictive model to forecast the win rate in terms of you know, how many, what's the conversion or project what the conversion will be. So once you share this, you build this like this, one slide, and then identify the area you possibly want to test AI. Then you can share with your management, these are the things we want to do. What do you think? It's very clear in terms of how you want to use AI, and it's not overwhelming. Is that helpful? Workflow is your best friend. If you can explain to your processes in a simple workflow, that means you understand your marketing, the back end. And as a modern marketers, you need to understand back end. Trust me, I've been there. And the more you understand, the better off you are. You can carry intelligent conversation with your vendors, with your IT, with all your marketing counterparts. So the cost-effective, another cost-effective way is actually talk to the third-party vendors. So there are many of them out there, right? Have them do a show and tell with you, explain to you them your workflow. Maybe they have ideas, so talk to them. There's a couple things I want to caution everybody in terms of AI. AI is not panacea. It's not mighty. It solves everybody's problem. It doesn't, right? AI is really garbage in, garbage out. If you feed them trash, they give you trash. You feed them quality, high quality data set, they give you high quality data set, right? So the data set does matter. The second thing is, if you actually use AI, they come up with some recommendation, you need to use your gut to see, does that make sense? No, it does not. Then you have to either retest it, or you have to overrule that, that recommendation. So you, sometimes you need to trust yourself, okay? So that's very important, balance of artificial intelligence recommendation versus yours. The other one is you have to run models multiple times, kind of like Karen Chan's example in terms of in order to get that best cosmopolitan cover is many hours of testing. Same thing applies here, right? Understand the data source. And by the way, they are learning just like you, right? So they are learning, but they are learning fast. AI is here to stay. Listen to Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> she is right. Okay. When she talks, I listen. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? She looks cute and she's beautiful. My gosh, she's over 50. I was like, what do you do, girl? You look great. Okay. So there are two point of views I want to share with you, too. Um, Two perspectives I want to share with you. Number one is you have to understand artificial intelligence is learning and they are learning fast. It's your job to continue to learn. All of us, me included, okay? And uh, because they are learning fast, you should continue to learn about anything that's happened within the marketing realm. Never stop learning. And don't worry about is, is AI taking over your job or not. The reason is you need to have a point of view and you need to continue to learn, right? So when you embrace AI, understand, have a point of view. So when your management asks you, hey, should we use AI to do that? You need to be able to say, I tested or I tried it. Let me tell you what works, what doesn't. That's a point of view. 
right? Listen to Jennifer Lopez be Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> it's that simple. Okay, I'm kidding. But you know where I'm coming from, right? So it's time to get to know AI. But before I end, do you guys want to listen to a music that's created by AI? Yeah, if you say no, I'm still going to show you. <laughs> All right, here. and the whole team is putting a great show for you. I hope you have a great time. Learn as much as you can. And stop by, talk to me, all right? Take care. It was so useful how Pam leveraged real-world examples to discuss the already existing applications of AI. And in typical Pam fashion, it entertained as much as it informed. Yeah, I also love how she outlined the AI initiatives that impacted each specific stage of buyer engagement because we all know there's no one-size-fits-all approach to content. Absolutely. And now we're going to shift the focus of the pod away from AI for next week's episode and instead focus on the top priorities and challenges of modern marketing leaders. It's definitely an episode you don't want to miss, so make sure to subscribe to our podcast today. We're available on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. And of course, don't forget to connect with us on LinkedIn and Twitter. All right. Well, it sounds like that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you all for joining us today, and we will talk to you next week.